Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy and salesgravy.university. Go check that out if you want to up-level your game in sales. You want to make some more money. That would be a good way to do it. I like to shake things up on this show in case you didn't notice. And so today, there's a couple lessons here. I often get pitches via email from publicists pushing their clients on to, hey, can you get your, can we get this person on your show? And I'm going to tell you right now, usually I don't take those pitches because the pitches suck, actually. Usually the pitches suck that come in and because the publicist really just doesn't know how to pitch. But this one that came in kind of sold itself. I can't even remember if the publicist was good, no offense, but I was really intrigued by the topic. And so the person I'm welcoming to the show today is Daniela Stevens. And I'm going to let her talk a little bit about herself. But if you go to her website, you will see daniellastevens.com. She is a sex and intimacy coach. Yep. That's what we're talking about today. We are talking about sex in business, not sex as a business, but sex and how it might impact what you do professionally. Daniela, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Could you share with our listeners just a little bit about who you are, what you do, and kind of a quick synopsis of how did you get into being a sex and intimacy coach? Well, I have over 20 years of experience as a private coach, as a college instructor, and as a yoga teacher. And I've worked with thousands of people through those Betty chapters and interlapping chapters. And I was finding that my connection with myself was having an impact on my romantic relationships, was having an impact on my relationships with my children, with my friends, with my business. And it was something I worked on for decades, reading books, going to sex therapists, watching videos, until I found a teacher who could support me to, to connect to my sexuality, to my sexual self, my sexual energy, and finally like became the person that I had been looking for over 20 years. And so I really find that people, when they're embodied, they feel confident in their body, can connect with other people, whether that's their partner, whether that's their clients, whether it's prospective clients, they imbue a certain confidence and radiance mm -hmm. that you can never put your finger on because mm -hmm. it comes from within. And I think a lot of that comes from reclaiming and connecting to our sexuality. Awesome. I love the word embodiment because what that says to me is this isn't just about sex itself. No, it's a part of it, right? But when we, a lot of us crave sex because it's the time when we can be present, when we can be in our bodies, when we can be playful and creative and connected to someone else. But we don't really understand how that shows up in everything we do. And it's not sex. Yeah. So what was the trigger or the event or the tipping point that got you seeking out more information about this for yourself? The original trigger was being at a party with people who were talking about sex. And I was like, that is not my experience. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I felt really alien. I felt inhuman. And to be more specific, because I'm comfortable being specific, even though it might be vulnerable for some of your audience to be listening. I had never experienced orgasm until my late 30s. Mm. And here I am hearing about people experiencing orgasm. It felt like this quintessential human understanding of pleasure, like experience of pleasure. And I was like, I don't know. I've never experienced that. And it began to be a burden on my shoulder, just a huge weight that I walked around with that seeped into everything that I did. It really made me feel inauthentic as a disconnected from the human experience. Does that make sense? It it makes total sense, right? If you hear people talking about something that everybody seems to be experiencing, but you're not then you start to wonder, is there something wrong with me? Is that, would that be inaccurate? Yeah. Well, and I imagine that's for all of us that are on social media, which is many of us, if we're seeing our colleagues, our friends making sales, pitching big things, going on fancy trips, and we feel like, oh, am I supposed to be doing that too? It's that same sort of sensation of I'm not doing it right. I must be wrong. Yeah. So it's it really is anything. It's not just the sex part and orgasm part. It's the what we hear or see other people doing that we want. Well, I want that, too, if they have that. Like, how is right? Anytime I've heard about someone who's not experienced orgasm, I'm like, oh, you poor thing. Oh, my goodness. How is that possible? And coming from that perspective, you don't realize what someone else is going through and how that might impact them. I'm sure you're familiar with the book, Slow Sex. It's a, that's something that comes to mind for me of reading that book and thinking through that and how that can be impactful. So you're at this party, you hear this conversation, you're like, so then what did you do? I mean, after that... And I think I was already on the track of recognizing that this was something other people were experiencing. And this is, I'm in my early 20s at this time. I'm in graduate school. I'm teaching college classes. And it continued my search. I have a master's degree in communication studies. So I thought it was about communicating better with the people in my life. And what I realized through teaching is that Teaching, especially in in an academic college space, is about taking away the body and being in the mind. Mm -hmm. Was walking into these really dingy classrooms day after day, where the 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 environment was meant to be so bare and disgusting that we had to live in the mind, and that really continued this sense that I'm not able to connect with my body if everything in my world is telling me to stay in the mind. So So, true. So if we're not engaging our clients and our prospective clients from more of our body, more of ourselves, our our authentic selves, our true selves, our whole selves, our personality, and performing instead... If we're performing pleasure, if we're 
performing excitement, for performing connection, that's all subtly felt and experienced Mm -hmm. between the people involved. And when you're talking about being in the thought space and the head space, right, that's one part of the brain where we're focused on the lo- in the logical, rational thinking, neocortex part of the brain, where is in the connection part of the brain. I'm guessing that's a little more emotional. So more emotionally, more emotional part of the brain. Would that be accurate? Well, and, and intuitive. Yeah. Right? If we're st- sticking to a sales script and we're following the logical, rational steps we're, we're meant to follow, we're not actually taking in the higher capacity parts of us that are intuitive, that are embodied, that can take in information and connect things faster. Yeah. If yeah. you make a connect a personal connection with someone around places you've both traveled or a restaurant you both love, right? That's how my pitch got into your into your space. Right. 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 Because I was able to connect with more so the word intimacy than the word sex. Because to me, what we do working with people on a daily basis is very much about very much about humanizing an experience or something I refer to as improvised intelligence, how I tap into the world of improv to find connection intuitively. So intimacy to me is not just about sex. It's about how do I create an intimacy with my clients, my prospects in my personal life as well of having that closeness in order for us to want to work together. Well, I imagine with that, it's this presence. I want to exaggerate and say extreme presence. When I think about improv, you're like, you're cued in, right? Right. Everything is alive and responsive and reactive. Right. And that's the aliveness that so many of us are looking for that we think we can only get through sex. And yet we can have that embodied aliveness, that presence and that interactive qualities Mm -hmm. with potential clients, with clients, with colleagues, in sales transactions, at the coffee shop. Yeah. So... So you had that trigger moment and then you sought out someone to help you with that. This is my early 20s. So I'm seeking out tons of people. I did my master's thesis on the vagina monologues by Eve Ensler. Awesome. I was in that show. I I know it. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was really trying to find anything that could tell me about sexuality and how to connect with mine. I had this myth or believed this myth that my orgasm would come to me on a silver platter from my partner or partners. As someone who identifies as female, it's, oh, I lay back and I receive mm. this orgasm. And it it took me a long time to realize my partners weren't getting an instruction manual on me. True. And Many of them would say, what do you want? What do you like? What are you interested in? I just deer in headlights. I I don't know. I'm also, I also was not given the instruction manual on yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And so I, most of the books, videos that I looked at were very general. I do like Slow Sex. It was one of the first books that was prescriptive. It was like, you're going to set up a nest. 
Yeah. You're going to do this for 15 minutes a day. Yeah. 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 This is the very specific technique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are problems with Nicole Daydon and the the yes. organization she put together. I am I am familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. And Come As You Are is another book by Emily Nagoski that's really beautiful about sexuality. She has finished a book that'll be open that's coming out in a couple of months called Come Together or Coming Together. So there are more and more resources out there that can give us the the, the background, the scientific background, but then the emotional embodied experiences as well. And as a sex and intimacy coach, this is one of the things that I do is I support people to clarify like how they need and want to be loved, how they come into pleasure so that they can begin to find the box and explore the box that their mm-hmm. body and mind is in so that they can connect to themselves, so that they can communicate with a partner, so that they can heal things that have happened in the past. Because for me, a lot of this was also healing work as I continued to try different things and these different things didn't work. I began to collect it as more data that I was broken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking that as you were saying it, right? And the reality is no matter what we're trying, not everything works, right? Like even if we just not even talking about sex, like you're trying to become a better business person or a better salesperson or a better parent and you keep trying things and they don't work, it would be real easy to just abandon it and give up and to feel like a failure through the process. Absolutely. So what are some of the things that you would do with an individual or a couple? Just give us kind of an overview of like, how do we start understanding ourselves so that we can actually Right. I I love it. It's beautifully explained. There's no instruction manual on you and on your partner. So how do we start working on the instruction manual for ourselves? Oh, the first step is we have to be really vulnerable. Like for many of us, we haven't been in our bodies and we don't know how to be in our bodies. Certainly this was the challenge for me. I lived up in my head. I could talk to people. I could stand in front of hundreds of people in front of the classroom. I could, I could talk about things and to really understand, to really feel what I was feeling and not take on what I was feeling as me became the challenge. So when we are starting out, a lot of times we are starting with slowing down and pausing our thoughts not pausing them, we can't stop them, but reassociating our thoughts from kind of a mindfulness, meditation, awareness space so that we can also sneak in some of the connection to our bodies. And oftentimes that just sounds like naming the sensations that we can feel in our bodies. So when we feel a sensation in our body, so different than an emotion, so a sensation is warm, cool, hot, cold in our body, It might be open or closed. It might be electric. It might be tingling. It might be numb. Do these words make sense as sensation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 When we name the sensation and the location in our body, the naming part of our brain that knows language is activated. So we're connecting the sensation in in our body 
to the naming location in our brain and we're connecting the body and the mind. Mm -hmm. So it sounds deceptively simple. And if we can begin to name sensations and locations in our body, we're becoming beginning to come into our body. Okay. So if we were working together and I came in and said, I'm having this intimacy problem, you would suggest to me that I start to maybe notice the sensations and track them or write them down or how would that look? So this particular practice is just about doing it out loud. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways in which it supports our sex life is it's both, it's a and in both. So oftentimes we're good at doing this with the pain. There's a tightness in my lower back. My left shoulder is tight. And when we begin to move through those and then notice things in our body that feel good. Okay, so we're just going to notice the sensations that are alive, period. Now let's focus on what feels good in our body or neutral. Something that feels pleasurable, maybe. Feels good, feels alive. Then we can begin to expand the, the sensations in our body that can be expanded into something pleasurable and connected, whether we're by ourselves or with our partner. So it's beginning to connect to our bodies and trust that our bodies are safe enough places to be in and building on that toward more pleasure, but also a connection even when we are, say, feeling pain. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to We don't have to move into the higher parts of our chest and our head to bypass what's happening in our bodies. So getting us more aware of what we're feeling as far as a sensation is going Mm -hmm. to help us become more present, let's just say, in sex or in everyday life. I think if you think about this in our jobs, There are moments that happen in a job where you feel something in your gut of, oh my gosh, I don't like this person. This feels uncomfortable. I don't like being on this call right now. Or the opposite of, I'm so charged up just being with this person and actually paying attention to that. Yeah. And naming it. Yeah. So then let's shift to, let's just say my husband and I didn't have a good intimacy or sex life, which is so not true. And I'm, I know he loves to hear me talking about that because he does listen to the show. But let's just say we had problems or my past marriage, I had those intimacy problems. What are some of the things that you do to help couples in, I'm sure that they're coming, well, I don't want to make that assumption. Obviously, couples who are struggling would come to you, but how about couples that just want to up their game are they coming to you as well? Absolutely. Okay. So let's think of this from like the sales perspective. Generally, salespeople have goals. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's a an important part of assessing where you're at right now and where you want to be. Yeah. Whether that's monthly goals, quarterly goals, weekly goals. With sex and intimacy, goals are very problematic. Mm. So if we have the goal to have sex. And probably un- unconsciously, subconsciously say we both want to orgasm and that doesn't happen. There is a we begin to feel a little bit like a failure, like something's wrong, like we're not enough. 
like maybe something's wrong with the relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So around sex and intimacy and relationships, because a lot of the work I do is about putting sex and intimacy front and center, saying we, we want to have a better sex life, a deeper sex life, a more connected sex life. We want to feel more intimately close emotionally, physically, sexually, mentally. We want to put that front and center. But a lot of it is relationship work. What we're doing around relationships, because they're more creative and emotional and intuitive and flowing, there's a lot more happening than just goals, is set intentions. Mm -hmm. So when I work with people, one of the things that we start with is how do you want to feel? What do you want to experience around sex and intimacy? Whether that's a sexual connection with yourself and or your partner. And so we begin to say, we begin to create create a North Star, a compass, a guide, a map. So we know what direction you want to go. And we're always reorienting in that direction. And we experience it as a journey, as a process, as a destination, not a destination, as an unfolding. So that if we didn't, we don't meet our orgasm sales goal by the end of the month, (laughs) we don't feel a sense of personal failure or fault. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really important because you started this with talking about salespeople. We have weekly goals, quarterly goals, annual goals. Yes and no, because sometimes we don't. Salespeople don't have goals or they haven't been given goals and leadership hasn't really. I work with a lot of salespeople that I coach and I really don't know what my goals are this year. So how can they really attain them if they don't have a North Star, right? Which happens a lot in sales. But I would think if I draw the connection back to sex and intimacy and personal relationships, if you know how to have a North Star in personal relationships, you might actually be better in the professional part of your life because you know that's a foundation for success. So if you're not getting the North Star at work, you're going to have to be able to have a voice to ask for it, which I'm sure is what shows up in the coaching that you do of two people have to kind of communicate it. And correct me if I'm wrong, it, the goal doesn't have to necessarily be, and I'm big into specific goals, right? Having a good sex life is a great big goal, but it's got, I think, to be a little bit more specific than that. And Not everyone has a goal of, I must have orgasm. Maybe there's something else to the goals. Would that be accurate? Yeah. For me, when I work with couples and individuals, the intention is to experience the most amount of pleasure possible in the moment. That's a great goal. Yeah. (laughs) So if we can't, if our bodies aren't open to experiencing orgasm that day, for whatever reason, maybe it's medication. Maybe it's somewhere in the cycle. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's dehydration. How can we experience the most pleasure possible in the moment, in that moment? But it's, I was just about to ask you, and you've listed some of them. What are the things that prevent or get in the way of orgasm? A lot of it is being in our minds, right? Yeah. So if, if my goal is to experience orgasm, And I'm like, is it here yet? Is it building? How much longer? All of that attention, that kind of ping balling in my head 
isn't going to support me to locate pleasure in my body, to be with the sensations of pleasure, whatever they might be, if it's electric, if it's warm, if it's tingling, if it's expansive. And when I focus on those, the sensations, the sensations tend to expand. Now we're talking about skill. So if we focus on the sensations in our body that are pleasurable, they expand, they get bigger. It's the same in life. If we're focusing on what's going wrong in our life, we're going to collect more data to see what's mm-hmm. wrong. Right, right. If, if we wake up and we're like, it's a great morning. I love this day. We're going to collect more data f- that's going to support that. So if we're in our heads thinking, how long is this going to take? Am I going to orgasm? Those kind of anxious, fearful, just rambling yeah. thoughts are going to continue. What does one do? I have definitely experienced those moments of when's it going to happen? And how do we get out of our head when we're already there? Because it's almost like self-perpetuating and you're like, how do I stop this roller coaster? What are some things that people can do when they're in that moment to get out of their head? Exactly what we're just talking about. So if you notice that you're in your head and oftentimes when we're coaching in a coaching session, this is what we do. We notice that we're in our head. We're able to slow that down. Then we drop into our body and name the sensations that are there. So if we're having, if we're being sexually intimate, there aren't sensations happening. The focus is not our head usually. It's somewhere else in our body. So where am I feeling it across my chest, in my stomach, in my torso, between my legs? What am I feeling that feels good? And part of the work that I do with people is supporting them to understand how to work with the parts and pieces of us that show up, whether it's through work, through life, through conversations with our partner. How do we, and this is a lot of what we do every single time we meet, take the pieces of us that we want to move forward and set down the pieces of us that are not helpful. So, okay, this is the part of me that's asking what, how long this is going to take. This is not helpful. I'm going to set that piece down and I'm going to bring forward the piece of me that wants to enjoy this for as much pleasure as possible is here. So maybe zone in that moment of, and and I've read this somewhere and I don't remember where I read it, is the focus on the pleasure that you are feeling and not focusing on the orgasm you're trying to get. Just stay present with this current whatever feels whatever and to stay centered on that yeah the warmth in your hip if that's the most pleasurable thing you're experiencing in the moment focus on the warmth in your hip you can breathe into the warmth and expand it and on an exhale you can relax and surrender and melt into the warmth in your hip and then you're always looking for what feels most pleasurable So maybe now it's a tingling up my leg that's got my attention because it's even more pleasurable than warmth in my hip. And then as we begin to be able to do that, we can get curious and maybe we ask our partner, hey, I'm curious, can you move a little to the left? Mm -hmm. There might be more pleasure right there. So we begin to, to we have questions that we can ask ourselves that our partner can ask us as we're curious around where more pleasure might be. 
Well, here's a question for that. I think oftentimes this better than I do, that people get uncomfortable in the communication aspect. And this is, again, every aspect of life, whether it's your sex life or your sales life, asking for what you want takes some level of courage and getting past the fear of rejection. So what are some things that people can do to ask their partner for what they want, even if they're not 100% sure? One thing I've learned over time is if I like something that's being done, I make sure to communicate, I like that. Please repeat it. <laughs> right. And so so it actually creates our own playbook, so to speak, in my personal life of the things that each person likes because we communicate it. Do you have tips for how people can communicate that? Yes. And let's be clear that this can be a double bind. Because if we're creating a playbook, then we feel stuck within that playbook, within that formula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times at the beginning of our relationships, when the sex is really great, we say things that feel good. Our partner says things that feel good. And then we only stay with those dance steps for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Good point. Help us fix that. Yeah. So part of it is changing our approach and our mindset, both within ourselves and having this conversation with our partner, that we're looking for the most amount of pleasure possible in the moment and that we can be curious as to whether that pleasure could be better Mm. or different or deeper. So people in female bodies tend to have the most amount of pleasure with clitoral orgasms. And yet there are so many more types of orgasms that are accessible that have different kinds of sensations, different kinds of experiences, different kinds of pleasure available. And when we go and explore these, we don't always feel comfortable because they're new and it's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. We don't know what to expect. So part of it is we have to be open to new experiences ourselves and build trust with our partner that we can share new possibilities and explore new things and that maybe those new things aren't going to work out or aren't going to be pleasurable. And then understand that we can create a new dance every time we come together in sexual connection. Mm -hmm. How do we build trust in those relationships to be able to try new things that maybe, like you said, make us vulnerable how do we develop that trust with each other to be like, hey, I want to try. How do we do that? We can do it either like the safest places or safe enough places is either before when we're not anywhere near sexual energy or after and we're a a few beats, a few hours, a few days away from the sexual Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. connection. So it may be like, hey, I read about something. I heard about something. The next time we have sex, whenever that might be, would you be interested in exploring this? So they get a little bit of a heads up. Okay. Right? And it can be small. We're talking, it's such a vulnerable place. We have no armor on. We don't have any clothing on or tend not to have clothing on. 
And this is one of the things that we love about sex the most is that it's such a vulnerable place and yet it is also vulnerable. Yeah. Right. Same thing when we're asking for a sale, like there's the excitement of wanting to sell something to someone to meet one of their needs. And there's also this possible fear of rejection. Right. Right. So there's this nervous excitement and vulnerability involved. Yeah. We can also do it after the fact. So maybe if we've been sexually intimate the night before or two days ago, I'd say, hey, I had a really great time. I really especially liked this and that. I've been thinking about trying this and it might have fit in good here, but I was a little nervous to say something in the moment. So maybe that's something we can try or explore the next time. What about people who don't know what they don't know? They don't know what pleasure or options are out there. What would be some good resources? I know working with you would be a good resource. What would be some other good resources to find out what you don't know about pleasure? I, I'm i speaking for myself here where yeah. I really needed support to walk through that. Because a lot of the resources that I interacted with as I was coming into my own experience was like, go masturbate every day for 45 minutes for two weeks and then you'll experience orgasm. I was like, this is great. This is prescriptive. I'll do it. I've been doing it. I'll do it again. And when you don't have the have an, a mindset, your mindset has been around how your body is dirty or sinful or ugly or all of these, you should be ashamed. You should right. blame yourself. You should feel guilty. You have to be this size. You have to have this many muscles. Having support around the mindset of how we can enter into pleasure, mm-hmm. that your body's created for pleasure, that your body is beautiful, that your body is yours to explore. No one else's doesn't have to be for anybody else. Anybody else is an invitation into your body or experience. It's really hard to do that mindset work by yourself and to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. You would need help on that. Well, when we wrap this up in a little bit, we can share more information on how to connect with you and maybe have you as a resource to help people down that path. And again, I was interested in this conversation because I see the parallel and connection if you know how to be intimate with someone, another human, it's going to make you a better human in business. And there's there have been those times, I'm sure some people can relate to this, where they or have said it or have heard it, where someone goes, boy, he really needs to get some sex, or boy, she really needs to have some sex. So we've, I think we've all said it, not even realizing what we're saying. But I would love to hear your perspective on it because really, what does that mean when we say, boy, that person needs to get laid? Yeah, the image and the sensations that come to mind is like somebody who's really tightly wound up, right? Yeah. That their shoulders are up by their ears and they're like, they're talking fast. They're in their head. They can't stop and relax and have eye contact and create connection. They aren't sort of solid in their feet and their legs. They can't take deep breaths into their body because that would support them to feel something that might be there. 
Mm-hmm. And so when we have great a great sex life, when we feel loved and cared for and supported by a partner, by people in our lives, by bosses, by colleagues, we can feel a sense of connection and interconnectedness that allows us to feel rooted and grounded in our feet, in our legs, soft and relaxed in our chest, in our shoulders, open and available for connection in our chest, and paced so that we can connect with somebody. We're not just vomiting out a playbook of sales pitches. So in your opinion, does it show up if we have a good sex life? Is it showing up in our business life? I want to play this game. I would (laughs) love to go to a sales conference and be like, and maybe do interviews with people as I kind of see, all right, these people look like they're in their bodies. They can have good, solid sex and intimacy lives and then talk to them about what they might be experiencing. Because I bet you all could, could play the same game, just kind of sit back and be like, these are people who know themselves, who know pleasure, who know how to be in their bodies, who move in a particular way, who connect with people in a particular way. That has nothing to do with sexual energy or sexual expression or like right. flirting. It's right. a way of moving and being and existing in the world that starts with connection to ourselves. Yeah. And that's really my point with this. So when people say that or hear that, or I can't believe Gina's doing an episode on sex, I really saw this as a way to talk about how to be in your body. And when you're experiencing that connection with yourself and pleasure, which adds to happiness, that leads to everything just working better. And if you're not currently with someone where you have that opportunity, You can also find a way to have connection and intimacy with yourself that will still show up and people will feel it. You hit a really important word at the beginning of this presence, which I have a course about presence. I just developed another course in confidence and presence is a big part of the framework of how we show up in having presence. And that has such an impact and how people see you and whether or not they want to work with you. Absolutely. I I think this gets to your sense of happiness in life is going to overflow and into how you interact with people in sales conversations. Yeah. If you're feeling connected at home, connected in your romantic relationships and your sex life and your self-pleasure, that is something that radiates from the inside out. Mm -hmm. If you're living in your head and the top part of your heart, the rest of you feels a little hollow and ungrounded. Not just you, us. We. Yeah. Yeah. And we all have those moments too. Absolutely. To reconnect with. This was awesome having you here today and having this conversation that some people might be surprised by, but I thought it was an important conversation to have. If people want to work with you or connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I've got special gifts for people. Whether you're partnered or you're an individual or your partner might be more or less interested, you can go to daniellastevens.com slash podcast and there's free gifts there. Whether you want to have a gentle, slow introduction or 
you're feeling curious and want to jump in, there's something there for your listeners. Fantastic. Thank you. We will share that in the show notes so people can go check that out and find ways to work with you. It was such a pleasure having you here today, Daniela. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, that wraps up this episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy and salesgravy.university. Go check out our courses there if you want to up-level your game in sales. And uh, you can go to womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com and see Daniela's episode page for the gifts that will help you up-level your intimacy game, which will ultimately help your sales game. So go check that out. And as always, you can watch this episode on YouTube and you can find our YouTube channel right on our website at womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com. And we'll see you next time. Bye.